The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Bina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work hard every week to make sure that you have the information and inspiration to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And the reason where both George and I are giggling in here right now is because 25 seconds ago, he said, I get worried about getting out of practice working the boards because mostly it's it's you guys know it's mike in here <laughs> engineering the show and then he forgot to turn the microphone on oh. <laughs> yeah so i was you know that was good uh so anyway today on real life real estate investing uh it is one of our x-factor investor shows I haven't actually done one of these in a couple of months and it wasn't it wasn't intentional i just you know, I had a super heavy travel schedule in April, May, and June, and uh, we had a bunch of people that, you know, we needed to come on and talk about specific topics. But I think y'all, I think y'all like these shows where we just we just talk to somebody really successful about more like their success secrets than their real estate strategy secrets. If I'm right about that, and you want us to do an X Factor Investor Show every month or six weeks. Send that vote to askvina at gmail.com. If you hate them and never want to hear another one, you can say that too at some completely different email address. Now, askvina at gmail.com is absolutely fine. Uh, so my guest today is Corey Peterson. Uh, he is the owner of Kahuna Investments, and he has managed and acquired over $95 million worth of real estate across the country. His current love, as you're going to find out here shortly, is apartments. And he's the best-selling author of a book called Why the Rich Get Richer, Secret to Cash-Flowing Apartments and host of the Multifamily Legacy podcast. He also speaks about apartments uh, all around the country, including at Harvard and NASDAQ. That's kind of an unusual uh, uh, stage for a real estate person, Corey. How did you end up speaking at Harvard and NASDAQ? You know, sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time and knowing some of the right people. And, um, you know, I am a networker, and I just been I was talking just um, more the types of what we're going to talk about today is, is the inspiration as being an entrepreneur. And uh, those are stories that everybody wants to hear, especially, um, you know, and, you know, uh, we do have a, a new 
book title coming up, but, uh, you know, I was never the best uh, kid to, like, get through school. I barely made it out of high school. I think that was kind of the, hey, listen, uh, there's lots of ways to get to Dallas, you know, and uh, or get to Yuma. And um, my story was unique and genuine, and I think that was the reason why. See, I was picturing that it you was just, an honor. I, I, I was picturing you just happened to be in uh, in Massachusetts, and you walked past Harvard, and you were like, you know what, I'm gonna go in there and speak, and then you just did because <laughs> that would that would seem like in line with your personality to just. You know, <laughs> I wish I, I had the, the guts to do that. <laughs> Maybe one day, but uh, yeah. It was, but it was. They were both truly remarkable experiences for me. For me to get to Harvard was like that was just the epitome of wow. That was really really cool. I finally got to Harvard. Yeah, yeah. So let's um just to, just to get listeners kind of somewhat familiar with your story before we start talking about like the secrets to your success. You had a you had a very um uh varied arc into what you do now, which is investing in apartments with partners. You actually were at one point a rehabber and then a single family home investor. So can can you talk about what the, what the arc of that business has been from like the day you started to today? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just give you the quick cliff notes on it. It's just, you know, um, I didn't find real estate till like, you know, I didn't get the download from the mothership till like I was 32 and I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so I was like, Oh, that's the book. And you know, that's, I want to do real estate. Um, but I had to look at myself and say, well, what do I have? And I didn't have any money or, or a whole lot of credit. And so I started off as a wholesaler. I would actually go to the local RIAs, uh, Real Estate Investors Association, and meet um, you know guys that were really doing real estate. And I would just sit by the. Now, I'm smart enough to say to the guy hosting the event, hey, who's the guys? Who's the players? And I would sit right next to him, and I would start asking them what their deals look like. And I just happened at the end and said, well, guess what? I find deals just like that. <laughs> so I start off doing um, wholesaling deals, finding deals for people that had money. And um, I quickly learned uh, the skill of – I was in real estate. I was finding deals. And then I started managing their rehabs for them. So now he's getting good at you know doing their – finding subs and managing the projects. And then I learned how to raise private money. I did it by accident. And one of the greatest days of my life, by the way. <laughs> so I learned how to raise money. And so once I kind of learned that other people will give you their money, as long as you give them a return, um, I said, well, I'm going to start doing fix and flips. And um, so that was my you know transition to doing fix and flips. And I got real successful with that. I was raising 3 or $4 million of private capital doing deals. And then, you know, the last reaction is, how do I get into apartments? Crazy, but it was, uh, I was doing so good at fix and flips that I was running myself wretched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you probably understand that. It was like, when you really get a high level of volume, you actually sometimes can become a slave to your business. And that's what I was. Uh, to the point where I was missing my kids' soccer games, the things that were really important. And... um my wife, one day, I missed my kid's soccer game. I go, I missed my son's soccer game, and I shouldn't have. And it was because of work. And my wife said, listen, you, you got to fix it. And so I knew that I had lots of capital that was counting on me to place uh, their money for them. And I was doing it in single-family homes. And in a broken state, uh, you know, when I missed my son's game, and my mom, wife said, you need to go drive around and go figure it out. Um, 
that's when I drove past an apartment complex that I drove by millions of times. And that day I said, how can I own an apartment complex? And as they say, the rest is history. I learned, I learned the business of uh, multifamily apartments, and I've been doing it ever since. Mm-hmm. And you own them now with, uh, again, it, m- most people, I, I, keep, I keep saying this, uh, I keep saying you and your partners, and I, I feel like I ought to say most people who own a lot of apartment buildings have a lot of partners. That, you know, yeah, that's true. You don't meet people yeah. who, who are like, yeah, I have a thousand units and they all belong entirely and exclusively to me. Because <laughs> that's just not yeah. how that business works. At least more than most of the deals we have, we own at least 60% of the deal. Mm-hmm. But we always raise, we raise capital and we create partners. So it is me and my partners. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's provided a wonderful cash flow life is what I like to call it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, Corey, we need to take a quick break, but I do want to invite listeners to call in or email in with any questions that come up in their minds as we are talking over the course of the next 45 minutes or so. The number here in the studio is 877-775-9658, or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and today is an X-Factor Investor interview. What is an X-Factor Investor? It's somebody who has reached that that place that everybody who starts out wants to reach. And we've had a variety of guests here on the show uh, this year who fit that model, and it's all different models. I mean, we've had folks who did turnkey rentals and folks who did um, big wholesaling businesses and uh, people who kind of had like a mix of things that they did. And we're going to do one next month with fingers crossed uh, with a guy who just very traditionally bought single family homes over the course of many years and paid them off and doesn't even own that many of them and kept working a job the whole time. But now can not just retire but like retire rich on his apartment and inve- or on his uh, single family home investments so our um our co- topic of conversation in these interviews is less about like how do you do apartment buildings and more about like what got you there why 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 do we have this like hugely flattened out pyramid in the real estate world where there are a zillion people interested in real estate, trying to do real estate, uh, spending money on learning about real estate. But when you get up to the X factor folks, it's a very small number compared to that very big number at the bottom. And I said the bottom like that was, I wasn't being judgmental. I'm saying I'm, I'm picturing a pyramid and the bottom, it's physical bottom of the pyramid is what it is. More of a triangle, not a pyramid. Pyramid would be three dimensional. Anyway, uh, so you know what? What? What do they do that's different? What? Are, how do they think that's different? What do they read that's different than everybody else? So that's that's what we are doing today. Now, Corey, what was it that you did before you got into real estate? I was a used car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, couldn't I was have, a real catch, let me tell you. <laughs> couldn't have planted that one better if I if I'd have tried. Um, 
so what what was it about the skills and things that you 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 did every day as a used car salesman that did translate well to real estate and what did you have to like completely relearn yeah i you know the one thing about you know communicating with people and being very comfortable talking with people you know across the desk right you know you're always doing car deals right um and learning that you know that that's a process and it never changes sales is always about communicating with somebody so that was good um what i didn't really understand is how much i thought i worked a lot in the car business but to get to a level of success um like you said this top of the pyramid i think if you were to look at everybody that has done it they have put an enormous amount of work in and so now i'll grind like that now but there was a certain point in time where i i worked like nobody's business and i i toiled in the night late at night um and I didn't. I didn't expect that. I didn't know that it would be that the cost was that high for admission. If you but had known, would, I would you have done it? Play it, huh? <laughs> if you had, if it, look, looking at back at it, and and knowing what the result was, if you had to do it again, would you? Oh, without a doubt. There's a time. I remember. I can specifically remember. There was a time. You know, I have two kids, babies. You know, me, two year old and a four year old. And my, um, it's probably like three o'clock in the morning, and my wife is comes down the stairs, and I'm in my office, and she's like, "Honey, are, you know, are you you going to come to bed? You know, like I, like what's up?" And I'm on the computer, and I was this is when I was wholesaling, I was trying to find deals, and I was analyzing neighborhoods <laughs> all night because I I needed to be quick and fast and be able to know my neighborhood so good that if a deal came away that was in that area, I could be like. Is it in the front part? Is it the back part? How many square foot? And I would know my number. And it took a lot of work. But, man, I'm so thankful I put it in. If I asked your wife the same question, if I said, if I said, if if you had to, have, if you had to have Corey do it all over again, would you, what would she say? I think she would say, well, I know she would say yes, right? Because, I mean, those were a couple years in our, you know, and I say there's there's seasons in life. There's seasons. Um, the, the fact of the matter is I may be a workaholic and I don't know it. I'm probably trying to recover from it. Um, I, I enjoy work. My wife enjoys me not working and being more at play. But I think, you know, she's not working. She's living, you know, she used to be a pharmaceutical rep. She's living her dream now, too. She's retired and get to do whatever she wants. And uh, we have a great life. We just went three weeks into France with our kids mm-hmm. watching the Women's World Cup soccer. It's amazing. Nice, nice. So, uh, the one of the big appeals of apartment investing is that it's once you get a building acquired and stabilized, it it's supposed to be pretty hands off. You know, somebody's supposed to manage the properties and the tenants and collect the rents and just sort of send you monthly reports. So, what now? Now that that's your strategy, what does your typical day look like? You know, so typical day looks like today. Today was uh, a little less work, but um, usually my job is to communicate with my investors or potential capital. So I usually make some calls to people, and um, we know we have a, a new deal getting ready to come on the horizon. So I'm letting people know. So it's 
it's working the phones more than anything uh, else. I I do I spend a a lot of time finding really I mean amazing better people than I could ever be at property management and some of those other things. But my greatest gift is the ability to communicate, and I communicate with my capital, and that's really my job in my company is to raise money for our potential deals. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do now is I mainly are on the phone and talking to people, going to games, you know, going to events with people and having fun talking about real estate. <laughs> nice. Sounds like a good day. Today was good. Now, it's not always sunsets of poverty <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you still have to watch the hen, uh, the, you know, the house. Um, you know, your managers and your maintenance and all the, you know, the people that they you pay to do these works, um, they still screw up. They still mess up. And it's more often than people think, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not just like, oh, set it and forget it. You still got to watch what's going on because you could have a couple bad months that could turn into a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, I have that story. Mm-hmm. I know these things. Yes. Everybody has that story. <laughs> I think I think the way I think the way. Okay, I sort of say we would like it to be, but let let me just speak for myself. The way, the way that I would like the world to be, <laughs> is that once you get something like systematized and buttoned up and it's all working good, you can just walk away and it will keep working. And oh God! I know. Wouldn't that be like a perfect world? And it, I find it, I find it really disheartening when I think that I've got something like really, look, man, there's a manual, there's, I got the right person hired, I got, you know, it's all, it's all working great. And then I do take my eyes off it for some period of time. Sometimes I don't even realize how much time it's been. And I look back and it's broken. And I'm like, how's it broken? <laughs> it man, I have the same, I have a real life story. I have a property. We've been 97% since the day we bought it. I've owned it for three years. Last month, we noticed a dip in occupancy to like 95, 90, you know, 94. This month, we're at 86. Mm. And I'm just like, well, what's going on? Because, I mean, we've never been less than 97. This, is a, this has been a dream property. But all of a sudden, what happened? Well, the old manager left. And so we have a new person here. And the new person doesn't understand how the property works, like the people in it. Mm. And when he's not, you know, so it's, there's an issues. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that stuff happens quite often, and it's not fun. Mm. I agree with you. I wish we could set it and forget it. Yes. Yes, don't we all? So what do you think in terms of habits, like like success habits we're talking about here, what yep. do you think the one or two most important just I do it I do it all the time even when it's hard even when it doesn't come naturally to me habits you have are that have led you to this level of success This is going to sound really weird Dina right Dina is that um I'm I've always just told myself that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed and I believe it, <laughs> unfortunately. And so the one thing that I, I've just really prided myself in, in is really finding the right people. I will, I'm extremely 
anal about going and just really trying to make sure I have really solid people to do all the work, the, the management teams, the systems. I'm a fanatic at it. And sometimes it's not fun. It's really not fun having to do that much research and work and ask really hard questions to the people that are, you know, to make sure that to verify that they are that good. But man, it does, it does seem to pay off when you, when you do it right. Spend more time doing that. So I don't have to spend as much time freaking, you know, trying to figure out their jobs. What is the biggest habit that you wish you could develop or that you feel like you need to develop but you haven't yet? I wish I could be like my wife when it comes to meeting people. Even I know how to talk with people, but you would be, believe it or not, I'm actually shy. I really am shy. I have this, my wife is a social butterfly. She can go into any room, group of doctors, groups of people, and she knows their kids, their relationships, their marriage stuff. I, I, have, I can't do it. I wish I could. I wish I had the ability to um, connect more. It takes. I'm usually one of those guys, you learn to like Corey. Right? But you don't just fall in love with Corey. You gotta, it's kind of, my wife learned to love me. <laughs> so, so would you describe yourself as, as an introvert? Do, I mean, you're, you're able to be around people and you're able to talk to them, but it is also kind of draining, especially if you have to do it for a long time. Yeah. In a row. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I had a party the other, my wife had a party here at the house. And, you know, there was a certain point in time where I was just, I was, I was done. Believe, I mean, I was done. And so, and I'm not proud of this, but I just walked upstairs into my room. Yep, you're an introvert, <laughs> and that's 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 uh, that's uh, the reason I'm a I, loner. That the 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 reason I brought that up is that I, I I get the feel that you know at RIA groups. I know you've been around those a lot during your career. Um, yep. That that a lot of people who are new to the group will walk in and the the first thing they identify is they say everybody in here who seems to be really successful is also super extroverted and I'm not so I can't be successful and the reality is most of the really successful real estate investors I know and by the way that includes the people up on stage it includes the the speakers who are speaking to 100 or 200 or 300 people are actually introverts who have the ability it's it, it's it's not that introverts like can't talk to another human being or don't want to talk yeah. to another human being it's that it is uh it, they 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 do not gain energy from that now like it can like, be exhausting it can, yes it can honestly be exhausting dina Rina. i don't know why i keep on seeing what the team is. yeah me either <laughs> I guess because we just we, met, huh? Like just on yeah, the radio, just know, now. I was sitting there, uh, I got there's a girl that I know that her name's Dita, and I keep putting the, <laughs> the D in front of it. My God, um, I will tell you this. You know, I I never thought about this, but like, so I would go to Ria events, and it really is. I would have to tell myself, Corey, when you get to this Ria event, and I'm the speaker. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the back of the corner and just kind of like sit around. And, and I tell myself, Corey, when you get in there, you're going to start walking around. You're going to start putting out your hands and shaking people and saying hi and smile. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, th that's how forced it is. People don't understand that about me, but that is 
I have to force myself to do it. As do most introverted people. And it, what, what that means, listeners, is if, the, if you're an introvert and you've said, well, I probably can't do this successfully because I see all these extroverted people out there at the groups and they're all talking about blah 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 yeah and then they go home and they take a 12 hour nap because they're so exhausted from from like you know what I'm talking about Corey you know you, you speak on a Saturday and then you go to sleep at 6 30 right you like you, you yeah, sleep all night well, long you know, I, I I'm not gonna I'm, ashamed, I'm not gonna be too ashamed to say it I mean I'm a I'm a gamer. I'm a video gamer. <laughs> I might go do mindless stuff on a video game for because I don't want to be with it. You know, I'll just go put myself up in my room when I'm when I'm in those moods because they they come up and show up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I just don't want to deal with anybody right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, it so it's real. We need to take another quick break. Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight is the number to call if you have any questions for Corey. And you know, you can ask him anything. You know, favorite books, favorite mentors, anything, anything you want to ask. You can also send your questions into askvina at gmail dot com. That's a s k v like in Victor e n a at gmail dot com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and I'm talking today to Corey Peterson, whose name I know after two years. I can actually say it right. Uh, and we're talking about his success uh, and in lots of things. I mean, he was a successful wholesaler, a successful retailer, and now he's a successful apartment investor. But more about what what drove the success from kind of a personal level? Because, um, Corey, I'm, I'm guessing that all the education that you got to do all this stuff is stuff that's accessible to anybody. And the combination of that and the experience is, you know, strategically what got you there. It's not, you know, that stuff's not difficult to get your hands on. Yeah, no, not at all. It's what drives you, though, that really, uh, you know, I was driven, Vina, I I grew up so poor. I grew up, like, I grew up in Missouri, in, like, there's a movie, uh, in the Ozarks, like, country, country. And in that spot, I was never going to be anybody. And, man, I wanted to. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to matter. And... You know, maybe your listeners are this way or some of them, you know, I think deep down we all want to be somebody. Um, And that for me was super high. In fact, I always felt like I had to try to be somebody else. I couldn't, it got real, took a long time for me to understand that I was just comfortable being me because I needed to portray a successful person and, um, or, or, or something like that. That's, and but the drive is because I, I, I really wanted to matter. I wanted to I wanted to make my parents proud. My parents taught me the value of hard work. But um, you know, my dad was a roofer. He put roofs on house, bent over, and you know that's hard. I mean, I'm a roofer's son. My dad taught me the business, and it's hard work. And I knew that I didn't want to work that way. I wanted to work with my brain. And um, 
You know, it took a long time. I mean, when you don't have a college degree, you got to manage some crap or sell some crap. And I you know I sold cars and tell my wife said I couldn't. Then I managed a restaurant. <laughs> and so those are my two jobs, my two real jobs that I had before I found real estate. And um, when I when I first got the first sniff of real estate, it was my mom had married this guy named Bruce and I, I like to call him Bruce Wayne. He wasn't Batman, but he was loaded and he had a home in Hawaii. Mm. And when uh, my mom invited me and it was my girlfriend at the time, now my wife was 17 years to Hawaii. I saw this guy, he had a house right on the beach and he had nice cars and nice stuff and his phone wasn't ringing. He didn't seem like he had any cares in the world. And I asked him what he did and he said it was real estate and he specifically said apartments. And for me, he had the two things I think most of us strive for, which is time and money, time and money. And he gave me a very real live version of that. And um, now I wish it got better because he wasn't going to teach me. He was kind of a not so fun, grumpy old man. <laughs> but um, but I went on the journey. I mean, I you know I, I got into real estate in 2005 and. I went on a journey, and honestly, I look back at it and say, the journey has been the absolute reward. It really has. If you could go back to 05 and have a conversation with younger Corey and tell him some things to not do, in other words, like, look, dude, this is what you're going to do over the course of the next 14 years, and let me, here's here's three things, just just don't even bother. <laughs> what would those things be? Like, what, what would have made it easier now in retrospect? The first thing I would say is, Corey, don't try to do it all on your own. I would have, I wish in the beginning I would have tried to set out better advice and better true, true men, real mentors. Not just book read, but like, because I made so many mistakes trying to follow old books that had old strategies that didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I wish I would have I told myself, find a mentor quick, someone that's, you know, going to go to a real estate, someone that's really doing real estate currently. I wish I would have had that knowledge, but I didn't. Um, I'd also tell myself um, to network more. I wish I would have, in the beginning, networked a lot more with more people i wish i would have stayed in touch with everybody that i that i knew just just better just some way of you know you meet people that have money and have uh different things that they could i mean most people get jobs by it's not what you know it's who you know i wish i would have stayed in contact with more people more often mm -hmm. and had and had better relationships because i felt like i started from nothing i really had to build a, a base of people to know like and trust me and um i just didn't do a very good job going going up until 2005. Mm -hmm. i think the third thing i would say is corey don't be afraid to fail i've i've learned now that failure is sometimes your price to admission and not only your your successes but truly you know we learn more from failing than we do from winning mm -hmm. and um I wish I would have been more willing to fail and, and not so tight uh, on things that I thought I wanted to do. Right? I, 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 you know, you look at, you know, you got a family and your wife and your kids, and so maybe I did it right, but 
I wish I would have been willing to fail. I'm willing to fail now a lot. That's good I'm advice cool for everybody. And yeah. we need to take another quick break. Uh, I've got some listeners on the phone and some email questions from listeners that we're going to tackle after this. If you would like to get your question answered, either call it in at 877-772-9658 or uh, send us an email, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to the last segment of Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Corey Peterson of Kahuna Properties, who is an author and an apartment investor and um, very, very successful at what he does, which is why he is one of our X-Factor investor interviews. Um, we're going to go to listener questions now. First, we're going to go to line one and talk to Russell, who's calling from Connecticut. Russell, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Yes, thank you. Uh, how's everything going? Uh, yes, I, I asked this via email too, and I was um, question to Corey was uh, what mentors have have uh, been most influential in every way in their life, and what particular you mentioned mistakes. It's, it's um, you learn more from failures than success. What specific failures, and how has it how has it shaped you? Great question. So I've had for mentors. I mean, I'm. I think one of the first guys that came in my life was his name was Bob Norton, and you know you won't know who Bob Norton is, but he had a, a small educational real estate business, and um, he was really doing real estate. He taught me how to find deals using the MLS back in uh, you know short sale scenarios were going on, but um, you know when I talk about life lessons, making mistakes, man, you know I can just go back to putting it bandit, putting ugly yellow signs up on the road. When I first did this, I mean, um, I read a book that said, "Hey, you got to put out these bandit signs." I'm like, "Oh, great!" So uh-huh. you know, you don't know what you don't know. I go and get cardboard pieces of paper and a stapler and these wooden pegs, and yeah. I start trying to pound these things in the dirt. And I realize that in Arizona, you don't pound anything in the dirt. You got to have a drill. And then I learned that you're supposed to use the corrugated plastic. Um, you know, I've had bad partners. I learned um, that I should ask a lot better questions on who my partner is. So I've I've just I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, I've over over underestimated budgets, like rehab budgets that cost me money. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Those are the mistakes. So you, then you learn to get better. You learn to have better tools to make sure that you don't do that. You know, that you do a better job when you buy it. Yeah, the due diligence piece. I think that's what we do now in, in, in the multifamily space. That's why I love it, is we have a really long period of time to check a deal out and make sure it works. Because in, in multifamily, it, it really is about data and numbers. And that's – I like those math equations – um, they seem to be very straightforward, and if you're conservative and, and don't try to speed, making really crazy assumptions, you can generally put yourself in a decent position. Yes, I would agree. I started doing something with a diligence list for, for um, uh, someone assisted me for for uh, partners and then a diligence list for borrowers, which um, I created all of these things and everybody walked away. But that's a good sign. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I'm too tight. <laughs> sometimes the right people walk away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that can be, yes, that can be really good. And and Russell, let me add, um, if, you, if you were to go back and listen to all of the X Factor Investor interviews, I believe that with possibly one exception, every single one of them 
has mentioned issues with partners like like serious like like and then my business just ended and i had to start it all over again <laughs> because right i remember you were talking about that too <laughs> yeah about not having partners <laughs> yeah yeah except except guess what i still do so <laughs> maybe good partners so so it but but there's a difference between because uh, because Corey had brought up the word partners before and uh many times when you're talking about uh the the bad partnerships are um, kind of working partnerships where, you know, I'm supposed to be doing all the marketing and bookkeeping and you're supposed to be doing all the acquisition stuff. And that that's the kind of partnership that I typically hear about crashing and burning. It's the, the, the ones yes. that the ones that happen that Corey's doing now which are more, look, you bring the money and I got the expertise. <laughs> that's, we... that's exactly how the partnerships are structured now, Vina, and because then they're called limited partnerships. They have a limited control. They give me their money, and then I provide the leadership. So there can only be one um, person in charge. Mm-hmm. And, and so and that person, for any of you know, my investors know that that one person is me. And they have to put their trust and faith in me because that's what they're buying or investing in truly. And my idea uh-huh. that I know what to do with with uh, apartments and real estate and that I know how to address and make it, build a team to support uh, giving them a return. Uh-huh. And once you – and so it's very – it's one of those things that you've got to put it in very high regard. I mean you – people are giving you millions of dollars, and uh-huh. it is – one of those things that you just can't take lightly. You've got to right. believe in your heart that you are going to do your damnedest to make sure that everything works. Mm-hmm. And it's a high responsibility, man. And, and, and of course, have your education in place so that you can, you can do that. I love these people who go out and raise $10 million to buy their very first ever apartment building. And they really, like, they, they think they know. <laughs> how to do it because they there's read it so much bad people right now in this marketplace Fina. there's just so much money i mean the new buzzword is apartments let's just put that out there but um because listen you know money chases what they think is the easiest return and right now it seems to be a lot of people are, are transitioning and i'm going to go into multifamilies now but i've been i've never done it before and i'm not going to find any I'm going to take one small course and I'm sort of, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I mean, that's a train wreck. Listen, I'm just, I'm sitting in the, in the like, my job is to find needles in haystacks. And I'm just waiting because I'm telling you in about three or four or five years, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to be cherry picking. Oh, yeah, because uh, there's, there's a lot of chickens that need to come home to roost in that, in that business when, I, when I'm yeah. seeing... Uh, I'm seeing properties in like C-class areas, and and not even not even properties that are big enough to have professionally managed, like seven units, twelve units, twenty units, that are going at a seven cap. And in mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, Ohio, those those properties should be going at a twelve or fifteen cap, and they're going at a seven. And uh, Matt was saying the the same exact thing to me the other day is like you know there's going to be some super good deals in the apartment the world. market's going to take a small hiccup i mean it doesn't have to be anything meaningful Zena, and heads are going to roll mm-hmm. because they are doing things on such tight margins that if the wind blows wrong they're they're going to be in big trouble big yep. trouble 
Totally agree. Well, thank you for your call, Russell. You're welcome. I was just going to say that's where I that's where I made my mistakes. Where I was on the other side of the equation, I was the money partner, and some other things that didn't end up going so well. <laughs> yeah, got to have a good got to have a good experienced partner, and they not only I mean they not only have to know what they're doing, they also have to be obviously ethical people because there's lots of folks out there who are they're they're literally like they know they're stealing money. It's not that they made a mistake; like they intended to steal money. So, yeah, those folks are out there, and I always tell people, do not put any any amount of money that you're not willing to lose into an uh-huh. asset class that you cannot evaluate. Because yeah. people, can, people can show you any numbers they want, and you're like, oh, hey, is that, do warehouses really make that much money? That's awesome. <laughs> but you, you don't know if they really do or not, because you, you can't evaluate the asset class. And if you can't do it. Because you don't even know, yeah. If you can't do it and you can't get somebody somebody who's an expert who is on your side uh, never never believe the numbers of the guy who's trying to sell you stuff right 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 always always have or somebody else that they've hired yes always always find somebody who who yeah is on your side and obviously you've learned that lesson already so <laughs> thank, yep. thank you russell appreciate your call you're welcome all right, um, so I have a couple of questions here for you, Corey, via email. Um, Michael says, uh, are there any shortcuts that you could have taken to expedite your success? In other words, what could you have done less of? I wish I would have moved more into the multifamily space sooner. I really wish I would have went into the, – the reason is, is wholesaling and fix and flip made profits right but those that's ordinary income and it wasn't creating a replenishing pool of funds and honestly if i would have done uh, that sooner in my career then you know it almost took me uh, from 2005 to 2011 so i bought my first apartment in 2011 so that that many years before i bought my first uh, apartment complex and i i just wish i would have had the foresight to maybe start a little sooner but um but I'm happy with where I'm at. Like, listen, one deal changed my life. I bought one apartment complex in 2011. I sold it in 2017. I bought it for 3.2 million. I sold it for 8.8 million. Mm. That's I mean, that's a big win, <laughs> you know. Yes, and, that's, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, now not all not not all of that's my money, but two and a half million of it was, and. We took uh, and did a successful, uh, it was called 1031 Exchange, and, and bought another $12.7 million deal that now provides, you know, uh, like three or $400,000 of income, and it will for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know, as long as I'm watching over the basket. Mm-hmm. And so one deal, in essence, changed everything, right? Now we own quite a few more apartment deals, but, like, that's the story of one. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... The the challenge is is not to get greedy and to not and to, to stay humble, right? And and to not spend all your damn money. That's what I see too many people doing is spending all their damn money when they should be making sure that they uh, put some away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't yeah. live at the very top of what you're making. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's uh, and we we only have like thirty seconds left in the show, believe it or not. But I I think it's uh, important for folks who do go to meetups and Ria groups and things like that to not just 
focus on the people who have the biggest flipping businesses and and therefore kind of like the biggest lifestyle. The, those are the guys who drive the nicest car and have the nicest house, but it's also finance to the hilt. The people who have investments, the people who have assets, are tend to be much quieter, and it's not as sexy to to hear about, well, yeah, I bought an apartment building four years ago and it's doing great, right? But you you gotta you gotta sit with some of those people because it takes it takes a lot of folks way too long to figure it's out. It's a different conversation. Yeah, it is. It's a and different it, conversation with those cats because no one's got their buttons on them. Yep. And you 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 can tell. Yep. Yep. And just just understanding that that flipping is awesome. Trust me, <laughs> I do a lot of it and I I, I love it, but. It's really the holding of the assets that, that creates the true financial independence like what you have created for yourself and your family. And congratulations on that, Corey. We're unfortunately out of time, but I do appreciate you being with us today. Thanks, Fina. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>